Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Telos Running Podcast, a podcast about training your body, your mind, and your heart for what the race requires. We're on episode eight in the frozen tundra of Central Texas, coming at you from a freezing cold 100-year-old house that has creaks and moans and very cold floorboards. For sure. Cold everything. Everything's, Everything's cold. cold. Everything's miserable. <laughs> it's not that, that bad. But combine it with the topic we're going to be talking about um, today, um, which we'll deal with in a, just a little bit, it can make the challenge even greater. So um, this episode, episode eight, is going to be, we're entitling Searching for Answers Part One. And our plan is to make it a two-part uh, episode, well, two-episode um, topic. And uh, we're really excited about this one. We came at this topic um, out on a hike, of all things, um, surprisingly. Three, a three-hour hike. A th very long hike with a very rambunctious and feisty German short hair pointer named Kip Chogi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as, as many things happen in life... Uh, we had plans, and the plans changed once we were out on a hike this weekend discussing um, a variety of different things going on um, with Kristen's running and some choices that she was thinking about making in terms of searching for answers and turning over stones regarding um, what was going on with her. And uh, as we were discussing it and getting deeper and deeper into it, we began to realize we had the makings of a pretty interesting podcast. So, Or at least the beginning of an experiment. That yeah. we are in the middle of conducting. I really do. I, it is very true what you're saying, Kristen. That it will only be in the ear of the ear of the listener whether this is actually an interesting episode. We're going to have a shit ton of fun, but um, we'll see. Is that what you call this? <laughs> <laughs> I do actually. I get to sit here and talk to you about running, and I have the best job in the world, and it is, um, and I'm in a really good spot. So, other than the fact that I'm having a roiling stomach and going through in intense hunger pains. Um, I am, uh, I'm otherwise pretty good and really happy and excited about this episode. Um, and, you know, I went back and listened earlier today to our first and second episodes. Sweet Jesus. If any of you are still listening, you are saints and you need to be commended for... We were really bad, weren't We they? were terrible, Kristen. <laughs> we were really, really bad. It was... I was like... Like, I was so cardboard, and you were almost over uh, sultry with your voice. Your voice is sultry enough, but it was like making up for my... Ew. Ew. And it was making up for me being a complete robot. Anyway, we're having a lot more fun, if you couldn't tell in our last episode, and I think this episode will be um, more of the same. Um, we're going to dial deeper into a little bit more of each of our personal stories. Um, we had some people asking about uh, getting a little more background on Kristen and her... Um, journey as a runner. And so we're going to go into a little bit of that as part of this topic. But most importantly, the real topic that I think will be, the real thing that will be most interest to everybody is that Kristen and I basically decided to go on a three to five day fast with the goal of getting to a state of autophagy. Um, and I'm going to pitch it right now to our resident expert who has got a PhD in WebMDing topics related to nutrition and food <laughs> and running and injury. So Kristen, tell us a little bit about what it is we're doing. We're doing a fast. It's a three to five day fast, but give us a little more background on what it is we're, we're, in, we're, we're endeavoring on. Yeah, I think you kind of just hit the main points there. We are putting our body through three to five days of no eating, um, water, coffee, herbal tea only. I'm on my like 18th cup of hot beverage for the day. It's a little bit miserable right now. Which uh, is why we're, we're on day, we're coming up on hour 48 here pretty soon. Um, yeah, we're between 36 and 48 as we track them in eight-hour chunks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, three to five days, no food. Uh, we'll get to the whys here in a little bit, but um, trying to put our body into a state of autophagy. Tell everyone what autophagy is. So, so it's so basically, you guys can go do your own homework. 
like I had to for many, many Jesus, she's not even going to feed you guys. No, she's going to make you work. She's hungry. She's going to make you be hungry. So um, it's basically your body's way of of taking out the, the trash. And you can really only do that well and effectively um, in a fasted state. And I, I was doing some research over the last couple of days about this topic. Um, not a ton of research, but a, a little bit. And this state of autophagy is something that's been recently been studied for the last 15 years or so, 15 or 20 years, but really in the last three to five years, there's been some really hardcore studies that have been done. And they're seeing um, early on autophagy studies were being done on lab rats and animals, and they were able to find that it was beneficial for them. But we've seen significantly more results-based, human-based tests on what that reset will do. And we'll, again, we'll talk a little bit more in a second about why the why of all that stuff is. But um, we're, uh, we're excited about and still wrestling with um, the challenges related to a fast. So many of you are now listening to what the hell is a running-related podcast doing talking about fasting? Um, and I guess I'll give you my why and the why I'm actually doing this as sort of an answer for why I think this topic is of interest and should be of interest, at least in a, um, in a story perspective. Um, from my perspective, you know, I've been doing some more significant running. I've got a pretty big goal to try to get my Boston qualifier and then run reasonably fast at the Boston Marathon in my 50th year. I'll be turning 50 um, in this 2019. And I was have been really doing a lot of soul searching with some major changes that have occurred in my life and the starting of a new job, a new career, even though it's in the same space. And so I've just been open to a lot of different things. And one of the things that I'm interested in dealing with or, or wrestling with is really getting much more clear about this idea of listening to my body. It's a topic I have been preaching on this podcast. It's a topic I pre preached as a coach and on and in other forums over the years. And I thought, as I was listening to Kristen discuss on our hike, why she was going to do this um, five, three to five day fast, I at first was just like, well, fuck that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I love my processed foods. I love to eat whatever I want to eat. And I'm gifted in the fact that I can't eat whatever I want to eat whenever I want to eat it. And so, but as we continued on this hike, this is, I guess, one of the benefits or curses of a long three-hour hike is I just let it ruminate and I let it sort of steep in my consciousness. And as Kristen was discussing, and she'll talk a little bit more about her why, she was discussing her why, I came to the realization that I really need to put my money where my mouth is when it comes to listening to my body. And this process of not eating for an extended period of time, um, thinking about what I do put in my mouth and the context of what I put in my mouth and what I eat over a long period of time um, makes all the difference. It, it just provides me an opportunity to think more about what it means to be this human being in this body and why this body, when it trains and when it pushes itself, um, what it needs to recuperate and recover from. And so there was this piece of it that was really, really about training and, and thinking about training, but there was actually a much bigger sort of existential thing that I've been dealing a lot more with trying to dis discover what, what it is to be a human and what awareness is and what it means to be on this planet, in this particular body, and I'm not going to go into really woo-woo shit like reincarnation and other past lives and things like that, because that's definitely not the place for a running-related podcast. But this process of doing an extreme event, of taking time to reacquaint myself with food and to reacquaint myself with my response to food um, seemed really, really advantageous to this idea of being aware and listening to my body. So whether or not you're going to have a more traumatic or, or difficult, challenging reason for why you might consider doing a fast, as Kristen will discuss with her why, um, you could also be as mundane or as philosophical or as existential as the sort of silly reasons that I'm doing it. Um, these silly reasons, as I discuss them, get more and more concrete and feel more and more real. Um, but 12 hours into my fast, 
it was not what I was thinking about. <laughs> I was thinking about dark chocolate-covered pretzels um, and a variety of other things. We went to a grocery store, so silly enough, while we first started this fast. But anyway, Kristen, give our listeners a little bit of your why that you've decided to embark on this three- to five-day fast because you've got a pretty... Um, you're really searching for answers and, and, and answers that are far more concrete than the sort of existential philosophical ones that I'm, that I'm considering. Yeah, so um, newsflash, I am injured. <laughs> um, I've been battling uh, the same injury for about seven, eight, eight months, something like that. Um, but it has finally taken me down and out and I've not been able to run for a little over four weeks now. And I've seen a lot of people trying to figure out what's going on with me and no one can really provide me with an answer. So I'm at this place um, with my injury where I need to fork over the two to $3,000 to get an MRI, or I need to really exhaust every other alternative sort of therapy or whatever I can to figure out what's going on. And so in doing a lot of research online and in obtaining my WebMD, I, <laughs> I came... Aforementioned PhD I, in WebMD, yes. I came, I came across... Um, I came across fasting via intermittent... It, intermittent fasting um, as sort of a way to calm down inflammation in your body. Um, there have been a lot of a lot of cases of type 2 diabetes being reversed with fasting. Um, just a lot of research out there about fasting and its ability to heal. Um, and so I've decided to give it a shot and what do, really what do I have to lose, right? I mean if it doesn't work then I lose three to five days of food. And if it works, then, well, I have everything in the whole world to gain. And uh, in the interest of full disclosure, most of the reasons that I gave for my existential philosophical reasons, Kristen was discussing on our hike. So she also truly sees the value of listening to her body and going through all that stuff too. And I probably stole a little of her thunder. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, they're val it's valid, right? The reason is valid. And so when I was discussing all of this with Steve on the hike, um, there's obviously the, the, my biggest reason is so that I can figure out maybe what's going with my body, see if it's food related, see if I just need to calm down some inflammation. Um, so there's that. I want to run again with my entire heart, with all of my being. I want to run again. Um, I feel like it has been breaking my heart that I haven't been able to run, but I'm in an okay place with it. Um, I know that I will run again one day. Um, and so when I do run again, I don't know, I really want to use this opportunity. So even if it doesn't fix me, use this opportunity to, are we talking about diet now? We can do it. We can start anytime you want to. <laughs> anytime use you this. want to. I feel like I, um, I've spent a good chunk of my life in a weird place with food or in a negative place with food. And I'm always trying different things to lose weight or maintain weight or, um, I don't know. I, you know, we have such a negative outlook on food and nutrition in general. And I'm hoping that in resetting my mind and my body with this fast, that as I start to introduce food into my life again, that I can really learn to listen to my body and listen to what it needs. And I want to know how does that affect me as one, a human, but two, as a runner? How does that, if I can really learn to listen to my body and give it the things and the nutrients that it needs, as opposed to listening to whatever my friends have to say or whatever my cravings have to say, you know, if I can listen to my body instead. How does that affect my performance as an athlete? Yeah, I think for our listeners out there, I think that there are sort of three or four different buckets you could consider this podcast kind of falling into this episode. Number one is this idea of listening to your body. Number two, 
getting a little more acquainted with Kristen's story, where she came from as a runner, as she's one of the, she's the other host on this podcast, and people get to know her and her, her goals and her challenges. Um, thirdly, it's we all almost every distance runner I've ever met or been been around has had a challenged relationship with food, um, and they're always looking at um, being either too heavy or too skinny, what food choices they can make. Um, if those folks who are in my category of being able to eat nearly anything you want to as long as you don't um, drink too much beer, you, uh, you, know, you still have those concerns about what food is the best food to eat after your, after your training to be able to optimize that. And then for every single person out there, it's, what does my body need on race day? And I'm really excited also about this process of doing the fast to see, is this applicable and could this be utilized as a real training technique in terms of getting into that fasted state and getting into that fat burning state and really optimizing that as an opportunity? Of course, we need to, so those are the three or four different areas that I think that it can be really valuable that this, that this, that this episode should be helpful for folks. So, um, Without further ado, I want to say our most important thing, which is medical disclaimer. I am not a doctor. I just play one on TV and on podcasts. No, I'm not a doctor. Kristen isn't a doctor. We're not giving or dispensing medical advice. We are discussing a um, our lives and um, an experience that we're going to go through to try to optimize our our bodies, but we are not espousing this as a necessary road or even a, a recommended road. It's much more an experiment of two that we are going to relate to you guys. And so don't, please don't go back and say, I heard about this on the Tell Us Running podcast and end up in, a, um, in, a, in an emergency room somewhere. So if you do, that's on you, not on us. <laughs> um, and secondarily, we're not really experts on the topics we're going to be discussing. Um, we're, we're experimenters, and we're runners who've been doing this for a long time and doing this at a pretty high level, both of us, and we're really excited about what this might play out to be. We're also a little nervous about how it might play out in terms of not giving us the answers that we're looking for, but we just wanted to make that, that caveat before we went any further. Anything you want to, more you want to share on that before I sort of kick us into this? No, you got it. All right. So um, in order to get a little more deep into this topic, I think what the best thing for us to do is for us to get a little story time with Kristen. So, Ew. yeah, you're not going to like this part, but, um, and if I've got to pull it out of you by like pulling teeth, I'm going to. Give us a little background, a little more of a background on you and your running journey so that folks can get an idea about how we got to this spot where you are not running at all. Um, you weren't running at all before, and then you started running, and running became one of the most important things in your life. And now here we are at this point, um, not running at all again. So tell us a little bit about that journey in whatever way you want to, and if it gets bogged down, I'll, I'll ask questions to pull you back in. Okay. Cliff's Notes. Oh, I've been running for... Please don't cliff notes. Give us the whole story. I've been running for <laughs> a little over five years, and I found running because I, well, I ran for one semester in high school, and I really liked it, but um, I had a pretty crappy upbringing, and we moved a lot, and uh, so I didn't really get to run. Um, but I did like it for that semester that I did it. Um but I really found running five years ago. I was in and out of a not-so-great relationship, and um, I just needed a goal. I needed to complete something and put my mind and my energy onto something else. And I had um, a girlfriend who was training for a marathon, and she said, well, you should, you should train for a marathon with me. Um, at this point, again, I had not been running at all, but I thought, you know, fuck it, yeah. <laughs> How long is that? Uh, JFR, just sure, fucking run. Sure, I'll do it. So I went to the computer and downloaded a training program for like couch to marathon. <laughs> um, and I just sort of started running and um, ran my first marathon three months later or something like that. Would you run for that marathon? Uh, I always love this one. This one. This one always makes me smile. Four hours and 22 seconds. Yeah. So when people, uh, we've already announced that some 
on our prior podcast that your main goal has been to try to get an Olympic trials qualifier. Yeah. And when we talk about from scratch, you are absolutely the epitome of a from scratch runner. So Yeah, so I did that and then didn't run again for a while for a, a number of reasons. Um, I mean, I ran for fun, but didn't think about a marathon. Um, and then decided a year later to, to run and get a BQ. And so I trained for, I guess, two or three months to do that and got a BQ at Austin. I ran like a 327, I think. And then met Steve. Dun, 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 dun. And <laughs> somehow, some oh, shit. some way, <laughs> he convinced me to shoot for an Olympic trials qualifier. And I was like... Sitting across the bar from you. Yeah. I was your bartender at the time, actually, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do that too. Steve has this way of making you believe that you can do anything. And it's really cool. Um, but anyway... So I thought, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And kind of started, well, started training to just sort of chip away at time chunks. Um, we wanted to run a 3.15 and then, you know, 3.05. I don't know how we broke it up, but um, but then I got pregnant and um, ran throughout my pregnancy, but didn't really do any sort of intense training. It was obviously my first and last pregnancy. <laughs> um, but um, so I ran probably average 60 miles a week mm -hmm. um, throughout most of my pregnancy. And at the end, I think I was running like 40 miles a week. Yeah, very atypical. Not not typical for for the average runner. Um, well, we knew I wanted, I wanted to get an OTQ. And we had a ticking, we had a time that was clicking down. We needed to get the times down and we had a limited window in a calendar to get the 2020 Olympic trials qualifier. So right. we knew we were, um, little Max put a, a wrinkle in the, in the timeline. So, um, had my daughter in June of 2016 and started running two weeks after and really training probably five weeks after that, six weeks, maybe and ran Houston when Max was seven months old, so in January, um, ran a 308 there, and I'm trying to think, oh, and then trained all next year, and December of 2017, I ran a 254 at CIM and went through sort of some struggles in training and ran Boston that year in 2018. And then we did a speed development cycle after that, and I was in phenomenal shape. <laughs> yeah, at that point we were pretty convinced that Kristen was, um, it, with hindsight being 2020, I think we probably would have jumped in grandmas or something, which is in June, yeah. where maybe we should have, because we probably would have been really scary close to getting the OTQ. Maybe not have gotten it because we were on the edge there. But um you I don't came know, out Steve, I felt I felt really good. I was well, running really well. We hadn't done the specific work because we'd done a lot of fast turnover speed development stuff, which was not your strength or we didn't think was going to be your strength, but you took to it like a duck takes to water and you were really seeing pretty substantial gains and I knew that when we brought them back to your strength which was running long and staying focused Kristen has an unbelievably strong mind when it comes to being in pain and dealing with pain and dealing with the kinds of training challenges that most people will find as overwhelming or not manageable um, she's an athlete who basically is all the way the fuck in and does not um, really take no for an answer. I kept trying to tell her maybe we should consider 2024 for the Olympic trials and not 2020. And she said, no, we're going to get this done and did all the things necessary and all did all the work necessary to get there. Um, but then but then life happened, right? Yeah, so um, June of 2018, I was in incredible shape and felt really confident, um, probably overly confident in my ability to 
get an OTQ. I don't know, whatever. It, that kind of doesn't matter. But I was in great shape. And then I had, <laughs> um, I then I left, I left a very long-term committed relationship um, and kind of blew my world up. And as a result of this major life-changing decision, I lost a lot. I lost, um, I lost a lot of friends. I lost my, I lost my team. And I, I say loss, and I don't. I want to say that it was a result of a choice that I made, and it was not anything that was done to me. Um, but all. All choices demand a price and demand change and demand a sacrifice, and that's that's where I was with that. But um, it was incredibly emotional time for me, and still is. But um, yeah, so my whole world was turned upside down, and through it, I still was running and running well for maybe a month, and then shit hit the fan. The dominoes started to fall. Yeah. Um, and I, it was like overnight I had this awful hip and back pain and um, my legs would swell up and my hands would go numb and I strained my tibialis interior and like just these weird things started happening and I couldn't, I'd have to stop every two miles because I was in so much pain I probably should have stopped running completely, but um, but I was in this state of my world was in chaos and everything was spinning and running was the one place that I could find comfort and um, it was still my church. It was my meditation and I couldn't also lose it. So I kept pushing because that's what I do. I push and... Um, but I was dealing with this injury, and I don't know. I guess maybe part of me thought, "Oh, it's psychosomatic. Like it's I'm just stressed out. It'll go away." And it was weird because I could never pinpoint exactly where the pain was coming from or what was going on with it. And um, so during this time, you saw a lot of different folks. Yeah, a lot of different medical practitioners to try to address. Um, the question about what was happening with you. Yeah, I had at one point, um, I had been seeing a chiropractor for a while and she told me that she really thought that I should get an MRI and rule out the possibility of MS, um, which is crazy and obviously not something you want to hear and probably definitely not her place to sort of just throw that out there. But, um, yeah, I had saw a PT who said right off the bat, you have compartment syndrome, and then sort of reevaluated and said, well, no, okay, probably not. Um, but just a number of different things that you never also really had some people talking about your return from your pregnancy might have been that you might have some issues related to your back that might be a might show up because of how quickly you did come back. It was a, it was a calculated risk you took in, in returning quickly and getting back to running at a really pretty substantial level pretty quickly after a, after a pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, for the past year at least, I've been doing between 80 and 100-mile weeks. Um, the 100-mile weeks have been more recent, but um, so 80 to 90-mile weeks for the past year and a half, two years. And um, yeah, so... I, and then with my back, I've always had problems with, with my low back. I had um, a really traumatic event um, to my low back um, when I was a kid. So I've always had problems with it. And we've, you know, as someone listening here would say, well, shit, I can tell you what's going on. You had stress. Um, you had came back from your pregnancy too fast, you maybe you're overtraining. Have you ever looked at that? Um, you know, and you've got trauma, past trauma. You've got any, but the thing is, is we've, we've, uh, we've, we feel pretty strongly as coach and athlete that we have documented and gone through as clearly and as closely as we can cause and effect and potential causes for 
this 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 sort of ongoing diffuse situation we we were sure that stress was related to it um but about about a month ago we had a pretty significant change in the situation so why don't you describe a little bit about what happened there because i think that'll kind of launch us into a little bit more of a discussion about how we got to the point of even thinking about doing this fast and where we how we got there yeah and let me i, I want to be clear in in that i'm not an idiot right i mean i am probably but not with regard to this. I mean, I take running pretty seriously and I'm absolutely committed to it. And I would, it wasn't like, I'm, I've never had a stress fracture, knock on wood. Um, although I'd gladly take one now <laughs> if I could trade this out. Um, but it wasn't like I experienced pain and it was there and I just ran through it and it never went away. I mean, I'd have days, weeks, a month where I had no pain, um, or I'm well-versed in nerve pain, and I'd have weird nerve pain, but I know the difference between nerve pain and bone pain. And so, anyway, I just want to say that it's not like I felt this intense bone pain that it was like, you should stop running through this. It would ebb and flow, and it would move sides of my body even. It would move parts of my body. So it wasn't as black and white as this hurts, stop running. So I just want to be clear on that. I mean, that's a long discussion we can have at some point, probably not actually. Well, that's stupid to talk about. Well, we actually discussed the generalities of this in our podcast is, you know, being about pain and discomfort. And right. um, we're confident that we turned over every stone we could, um, that we could afford to turn over other than getting the MRI to determining what this situation is. But talk, talk a little bit about what happened a month ago. Um, you were on a 20-mile run, and yeah. you had this really... We, we The situation went from this sort of diffuse, confusing, moving, amorphous issue that might and probably was basically stress and trauma, stress and, you know, like, stress-related to something altogether different. Yeah, so we were um, on a 20-mile run and had a workout in that run, and at the end of the workout, I met up with a couple of my training partners, um at a water stop and I go to get a cup of water and my hand just freaked the fuck out. Um, it, it was my right arm and it like clenched up, but not like muscle cramp. It was like, it had a mind of its own and it like crushed and threw the cup or through the cup. And, um, I couldn't get it to do what I wanted it to do. And finally it let go and I didn't, I mean, it, that's weird, right? But I don't know. I guess I didn't think anything of it. And we still had like four miles left of the run, five miles, something like that. And my training partners were like, that's, that's, not, that's not normal. That's, that's kind of weird. But we all had to finish the run. So we did. And I wasn't in pain. It just went away. Um, so we get back to home base. And I felt fine. I mean... I was tight, but I felt fine. I mean, I probably could have walked around some and gone out for another run, <laughs> but um, I felt okay. And I stretched some with my training partners and then I got in my car. And somewhere on that 20 minute drive home, something happened because I get home, I open my door, I go to get out of my car and I couldn't walk. And I had to lean on things and drag myself into the house. And for two, two and a half weeks, I couldn't walk. And when I say couldn't walk, I mean I could drag myself along one step at a time. And I was on a scale from one to 10, my pain level was probably at about an eight. Um, it was awful. And it was just this pain in my low back that I couldn't. I really couldn't stomach, and when my daughter and I would go to the grocery store, I would um, get one of those electric carts because it was just she's two and a half, and I like I couldn't I couldn't move with her, and um, that lasted about two and a half weeks. And as you went through that, you really started. This is when you really started doing 
a good bit of homework. There's nothing like a situation where you can't walk and you feel like, um, you know, only a week or two prior to that you'd heard um, uh, someone tell you that maybe you should get looked at for multiple sclerosis before yeah. that. So it was like this big shock. And um, talk a little bit about the things that you've, that kind of brought you here at this point where you're thinking and, and where you decided to do a fast. Um, you've had a lot of soul searching that goes beyond normal just research on training and injury related issues. A lot of things have led you to be in the position where you are now considering taking a pretty drastic step of doing a three to five day fast, which is not something just anybody does. Yeah, so um, in that period of time where I was not really able to walk, I would see different chiropractors and get adjustments that would help. So it's weird, you know, looking back on it, it's kind of like, hey, asshole, go to the hospital or like <laughs> go to, I don't know, but when you're in it, and I, I'm a big believer in, in PT and chiropractic care and massage therapy and I would have some relief for a day or for a few hours and it was like okay well we've turned the corner on this we're okay but then I wasn't and I just kind of kept thinking it's pinched it's there's something nervy in my back I've never had bone issues I still don't think it's a bone issue um, but it's just got to calm down it has been my gut feeling this whole time and I don't take medicine, but I finally started taking ibuprofen and that calmed down whatever inflammation was going on. And I've been able to walk. Um, and that was a big key for you. I think it was the day that you chose to take those Advil or ibuprofen. You came back at, to me at that point in time and said, hey, I'm not pain-free, but I am able to actually move. And then you started thinking, okay, what's happening to create what, what is inflammation and what's that all about? Because that's kind of what really sparked this idea. Right. So um, I had a food test done almost a year ago and found out that I have a sensitivity to gluten, but a pretty big sensitivity to dairy. And when we eliminated those things from my diet, a lot of symptoms that I had been experiencing that had never really put two and two together um, sort of went away. Um, for those of you who don't believe in that, whatever, call it placebo effect or call it real, right? It worked. And, um, so I sort of let that lapse because of all the stress in my life. I just kind of ate whatever I felt like. And, um, so there was that sort of in the back of my mind. And then also because I wasn't running and because I really fucking hate to work out, um, running is not working out to me. It is pure, pure goodness, dancing, church love. <laughs> um, but I hate to work out. And here I am. I still have this goal. You're a bit of a gym rat, though. You don't mind pushing pushing the weight around. I don't mind because it serves running. Right. But to just go to the gym, like, fuck that. <laughs> no thanks. Um, and so anyway, so... Because running is always front and center in my in my heart and my mind, obviously, aside from my daughter. She's number one, but <laughs> next is running. And so I, this is what I'm always thinking about. So I thought, you know, I really need to control my weight and not let that get out of control because I still have the appetite of a 100-mile-a-week runner, but I'm running zero miles a week. So um, I did a lot of research into intermittent fasting and you know, just trying to look at my diet and try to approach it from what's best for me and my running future. Blah, 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 blah. Many, many days and weeks and hours and I don't know, months even of research later, um, I started intermittent fasting. And that really got control of my appetite in a way I've always struggled with portion control and appetite um, control my whole life. Um, everyone in my family is pretty much overweight, if not obese. And I, sorry, family, <laughs> um, if you're listening, probably I don't think they not. are. I probably, don't think they are. <laughs> probably none of you have ever run a day in your life, but um, 
so yeah, so intermittent fasting really helped get control of of cravings and my addiction to sugar and I don't just shitty food, right? Um I mean, I was running 100 miles a week and stayed at the same fat level just because probably of the way that I ate. And the more research I did into intermittent fasting and food affecting inflammation in the body, the more I kept running into long-term, like prolonged fasting. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, I guess I was also getting into that you'd spent you've you've done you've you've started a pretty consistent regimen of meditation. Oh, you want to get into the mushy gushy stuff you, I don't want to talk yeah, about. <laughs> you got into a yoga studio and started doing yoga pretty consistently. Um you got a rower and started rowing. You've 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 started doing other things that really aren't in your nature to try to continue to use that body of yours in a way that would um, that you could start telling what was going on with the food that you were eating. That you were doing the intermittent fasting, but you're also using your body in ways to try to get clear on how it what's going on with fueling and what's going on with inflammation and what's going on in my body. Yeah, I mean, if we want to get really mushy-gushy, touchy-feely on I it. I do. Go ahead. Um, so I feel like, okay, we've established that I had a rough childhood, and I created this person, this hard shell, thick-skinned, go-fuck-yourself person who I had to be in order to get through, and she was a wonderful and beautiful and strong person, but has not always served me or my best interest as an adult, right? Um, I don't have to be that hard of a person in my current life. I have a beautiful, wonderful life. And I think that I've been spent so much of my time in my life being rigid and feeling like I had something to prove to the world, right? And I really hit the jackpot with running. I found in a way to take my mind off of a relationship in a way to alleviate stress, I found, again, after my daughter, one of the absolute loves of my life. And like, I'm really lucky for that. If I never run fast ever again, I'm not going to say I don't care, but I just want to run because I'm so lucky that I got to find it, that I found I found some kind of peace. And I think in looking at all of this stuff and in looking at how my mind and my body are connected and in how I took this beautiful, pure thing of running and made it into an overly aggressive tool, I'm wondering if I have sullied it in some way, if there is some thing inside of me that is saying, yeah, you can't do this until you honor it and honor your body. And you don't have to be that hard, aggressive person anymore. Find some, find some space in your heart for compassion and softness. And this, oh, like I'm kind of on one hand throwing up saying all of this, but on the other hand... I think there's some validity there. And if nothing else, if I go down these avenues and I look at them and they help me be a better person and a better mom and a better friend, that's okay. And if they do no good, they're not going to do, it's not to my detriment, right? There's nothing bad is going to come of exploring these avenues. No. And I think what you're describing is something I want to talk really quickly about that we'll cover in another podcast at some point because it. we use this term warrior a lot. I use the term warrior a lot. And I think, um, you know, we, you and I had a long discussion at one point about you bringing back your warrior who was, um, who was in, in a lot of ways aggressive, who was um, controlling what she could control 
spending time optimizing every scenario and every situation to put her in a in the winner's circle to be the warrior who won, whether it was in relationships with people or whether it was in your relationship with running, whether it was in a wide variety of these spaces that you were losing in, that you were having this feeling of loss, you initially gave up and said, listen, I just need to let the water roll over me and live in a positive state. And then about three or four months ago, you kind of woke back up and said, fuck that shit, I need to get my warrior back and bring my warrior back. Um, and you've done a lot of reading and a lot of studying and a lot of work on what that really means. And I think what you've done now, in, in my experience of watching you go through this process, is move from a warrior who's focused on results to moving to a warrior who's focused on process and seeing the warrior experience as one of being in connection rather than being on top of. So can you talk a little bit about that experience? And you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this idea of warriorship. I think we could cover an entire podcast on it. But I do think that that's a big reason why you're in this space of taking this step to, to try this to see where you're at. Yeah, I think I'll just very quickly answer that. But I'll also say it in a way for those of you who aren't interested in the meditative approach or the, as we like to say, woo approach, if we're talking about this from really a more psychological standpoint, I just kind of realized that in being so rigid and, and how tightly I hold on and dig into things, I'm a control freak. And I wasn't listening to my body at all. Um, and I, I wasn't, I didn't give myself grace. And I just so tightly held on to a thing to prove a point, And I didn't listen. And I should have listened. I should have listened to my body all those months ago when it, when I was going through that really traumatic time. I should have slowed down and honored really what was happening in my life and given my body a chance to catch up with what was going on emotionally. And, but I continued to be a control freak and I don't think that that, um, that that served me. Yeah. And I think that, that to me is just such an important part of your story. And one that I think as we, as we proceed over the next couple of weeks and months, especially over the next couple of days as we finish this fast, but as we go into the next couple of weeks and months and um, as we get closer to that deadline for 2020, how that experience continues to resonate with you because right now, because you can't run, you're able to be in a space and a, space and a mindset that says, hey, I'm, I'm going to give this up. And that really allows for a lot of healing, but it means that you're at the bottom. And so you're at the lowest point that you can be at. And how does that change? And how do you roll with those, roll with that as you return to running? Because we know you're going to get back. This is not something that's going to stop you forever from putting one foot in front of the other. This is your, one of your two or three purposes in life is to be moving through space, putting one foot in front of the other and changing your life and changing the lives of those around you and lives of those people that you can come into contact with um, through this podcast, through being a massage therapist, through becoming a personal trainer, all these different pieces or puzzles to taking this approach of rigidness and this warrior approach, which is I'm the hard one, I'm the armored one, I go out and I fight, to being the one that's set, to being a different approach to warriorship, which is much more about impeccability, about getting your awareness to a point where you can listen and learn and hear and experience. And this process of slowing down, going from the bottom, listening to your body, to going through the state of autophagy to try to find answers to the question of why is my body rebelling and why is my body doing this? And it's not just a journey of physical proportions or metaphysical proportions. It's a question of continuity and consistency and all these pieces being kind of one thing in this body that you're occupying that's trying to find its way in the world. It's kind of crazy and it's kind of weird that way, but I think um, this this is what motivated me to get involved in doing this process of doing my own fast 
was I too want to know what it's like to be a warrior and to be aware and to be listening to what's going on around me. And big part of that is what's going on with what I put in my body and how my body responds to the food and fuel I use in my body. I consider that an act of a warrior. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. Like, I think so much of this, now that we're even talking about it now, more is coming out as far as emotionally. And well, I, let's save some shit. Let's save some shit for next week. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, for sure. I don't, probably won't. Oh, we've know. got you in the window, and now you're not. If we don't, if we no, don't squeeze it from you now, we're never going to get no, it. No, it's not that. It's just like thinking about about running and why. Like I would, I would do almost anything for it. I mean, I, like, I don't know that I could, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I don't know that I could adequately articulate how much I love it, just it, and how, like, for the first time in my whole life, running showed me that I was strong, and... I can't do it right now and it's breaking my heart and I would do damn near anything to get it back and I guess that's why we're here doing this and making me stupidly emotional on this podcast. Well, I don't think it's stupid. I think this is the part that I want to reach back out to our listeners and ask them to to really think a bit about what would happen if you didn't have your sport. If you are this far deep, 50 minutes deep into a podcast about running and training um, and you're still with us, then don't take this for granted. And be sure that you're approaching your running from the perspective that says, what are my reasons for doing it? And where, do that, where does that fit? Because just getting a result isn't going to be the end all be all. The it's got to have both result and process in, involved. And we'll be talking a lot more about that as we discuss more mental training techniques and as we talk about the physical training techniques that we utilize. But what Kristen's sharing right now is really the heart of what it means to be a runner. And I think it's the heart of what it means to be a warrior, which means what it means to be a human. Um, so if you're hooked and you're intrigued, um, then... Tune in next week, because next week we're going to discuss what went on in this fast. We will, how long we lasted, how long we went before we um, ate again, and what we did when we started eating again. And maybe we'll get some insights on Kristen's journey about what's going on with her body and where this reset has taken her and how this search for answers um, might possibly come up with something that she can take and turn into putting one foot in front of the other again. So if you enjoyed this, we hope you'll listen next week. Um, and we'll catch up with you next week.